This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. Good morning, New Zealand, and welcome to all my listeners at Access Radio Taranaki, Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawke's Bay, Arrow Radio Masterton, and I'm your host, Neville Wallace, broadcasting from Hara for the very last time. My two guests today are the co-founders of Groundswell, Laurie Patterson and Bryce McKenzie, as we tell New Zealand the reason why farmers are concerned about the rules and regulations relating to farming. Well, recording in progress. Good afternoon to our co-founders of Groundswell, Laurie Patterson and Bryce McKenzie. Has the mood of the farming community shifted to the better over the last few days since we've know we've got a government? Yeah, I think it has, Neville. But, um, there's no doubt that there seems to be more uh, optimism now than there was um, a month ago. So uh, I guess farmers have taken it on board and see some that there could possibly be some really good things come out of uh, what this new coalition is going to try and do. So, yeah, a bit more positivity there. Well, yeah, I think good. everybody's feeling a bit brighter, Neville, and... Um... Certainly after the gloom of uh, the last three years in particular, when people just got loaded up, farmers just got loaded up with more and more and more unworkable regulations. So they do see an opportunity where some of that will get, well, hopefully most of it will get rolled back and farmers will be able to get on with farming. Yeah, I'd, I'd sort of listen to Mike Hosking. I sort of flicked it off to both you folks to have a, Praise a lot of it, but at the end of it all, he seems, he seems to think that farming was picking up some of the costs or most of the cost of uh, <laughs> emissions, I suppose. But uh, could we have a look at some of the outstanding issues? What's the outstanding ones down your way? I think probably the most outstanding one for farming is uh, them going to revisit the national policy statement on fresh water, Neville. Um, there's a lot of fish hooks in it, and it's leading to a lot of the problems we're seeing now, especially with the regional councils with their land and water plans that are coming out. Uh, a lot of that goes back to the national policy statement on fresh water, which, of course, a lot of the, that statement comes from Tamana OTY, which, as you probably know, was uh, having the water at the uh, pre-human condition, uh, if we ever knew what if we ever knew what that was. That's a pretty broad definition, Bryce. <laughs> I think, yeah, the councils all seem to get involved, be involved in these plans at the moment, and I see the Mayor of um, the Southland District Council said that the amount of time that they waste on all these plans that they're doing all the time, I uh, thought it would be good that if central government had to do exactly the same thing, uh, they might realise that uh, how futile it all is. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, to, you know, for likes of people from Groundswell getting involved with regional councils and that, it just seems to be endless. Uh, just how many people are involved with jobs to do all this, John? Yeah, good point, Neville. Uh, I'd hate to think, but uh, David Seymour, you know, with what he's saying about cutting, cutting back on bureaucracy, 
uh, I imagine he's got plenty of jobs to get rid of that aren't actually uh, doing a hang of a lot for New Zealand. So he'll be able to get his teeth into that, I'm sure. Right. So uh, is there any thought being given to protecting this fresh water with the fencing regulations? Because there seems to be a bit of controversy over that. And the other one, I'll chuck into the mix for both you gentlemen down there. It's not the farm animals so much as waterfowl and uh, deer and pigs, probably. Yeah. You want to be the fencing know. one, Bryce? You're current on that, being in the ORC territory. <laughs> yes, Neville, it's, uh, I don't, don't know how much you know about it, but the ORC in their draft uh, land and water plan uh, any streams over a metre wide needs to have a 10-metre buffer on it. Um, and that's a whale of a lot of area. Um, I did ask the head of science if she could show me the science that showed that that was actually a better improvement to water than what a, a three-metre buffer was. Uh, she said that they didn't have that science. Uh, but the other thing that I asked was, well, what about the weeds in that 10 metre buffer zone? How are you going to keep them down when you're a part of the same plan? Uh, says that you cannot spray within 20 metres of the waterway. So uh, I think there'll have to be some drastic changes to make it work, Neville. Otherwise, we're going to have big 10 metre wide buffers with, full of gorse and broom. Yeah, you and just I, think, I think the other thing on the end of that is that we're fencing your way back with a 10 metre buffer to, so we don't get nitrates in the water. It fills up with gorse and broom and what does gorse and broom do? Put nitrates in the water. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth there, Laurie. So how, how is the science determining that factor or don't they want to look at it? No, I think it's just a lot of uh, virtual signalling, just like we've had from the past government, Neville. I don't think there's uh, anything solid around it at all. Um, and, uh, and in fact, part of that same plan is a reduction of cows to a maximum of 2.5 per hectare, uh, which on present Otago running conditions would mean a 15% drop in stock numbers straight off. Oh, and what about production? Well, I guess you go, well, they're trying to argue, and of course they use this all the time, is that if you drop 15%, there's every chance your production could go up. Well, we all know there's every chance you could if you're overstocked, but if you're not overstocked anyway, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's a thorny one, because some of those problems where they've dropped the numbers, they were grazing, I understood, over three cows to the hectare. So immediately they got a gain. Yeah, look, there's more to it than that because that's just talking about the Otago one. But when Laurie and I did the drive for change, we stopped at Rotorua and there was a councillor who spoke to us there. And they're talking about having no stock on ground over 25 degrees. So um, that's part of what their land and water plan is. And we all know that the, uh, in Northland, uh, they're doing the same thing. And uh, that means that 40% of their farmland in Northland, would, you would have to get a consent to farm it. Um, so I think it would go to 250,000 hectares would be uh, not eligible to be farmed up in Northland. So this is massive figures we're talking. 
Yeah, massive stock numbers too, Bryce. And what about the rest of the community up there, the uh, stock and station agents, the grocery stores, the people that service, the people in that industry all gone where? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's rural New Zealand, isn't it? Down the Googler, effectively. And um, I think that's one of the problems that we seem to see is that a lot of the council, regional council people are more zealous even than the government people that we had to deal with probably were. Eh? They're just obsessed with this. And um, it makes no sense if you um, if they actually wreck their whole um, rater base that actually funds them. Um, so they need to get a bit of common sense into things. I see uh, in the freshwater thing that uh, agreements are between National Act and um, and New Zealand First. They're certainly going to be looking very hard at all this. So we can only take encouragement from that and hopefully hold their feet to the fire to make sure that they uh, do get a sensible result. I just saw a post in uh, Farmers Weekly, I think it was, Andrew Hoggart had been to a meeting down there and he said he came away more perplexed than what it was when he first started. They couldn't seem to clarify any of those points. Well, yeah. I think Bryce and I went to a meeting the other day with uh, uh, Environment South and, and um, yeah, it was. I came away with sort of the same feeling, really. It's sort of, I think, what? Um yeah, because all we wanted them to do really was pause what they were doing, but um, they don't seem too keen on pausing anything. Um, yeah, I don't that, know. It's yeah, that, disappointing. That, that, that was to do with the freshwater farm plans, Neville, the, the government-mandated ones. And um, there was a strong feeling at the meeting, in fact, a motion was put that they will not do the freshwater farm plans. Um, that they uh, they worried about so many things and so many fish hooks and the mandated freshwater farm plans they won't do them. But interested when uh, Environment Southland was trying to sell it to the people, they were talking about having all your information in one place. But then we get through the meeting a little bit and then we find that uh, they're going to be doing their own uh, land and water plans just like everybody else in New Zealand does. All the councils so. It's a fallacy to think it's all going to be in one place. This just goes on and on and on. And um, this is all part of the national policy statement on fresh water. So the sooner it gets a rewrite, the sooner we may uh, see something sensible come out of it. Mm. Now, moving on from there, what about our carbon farming regulations? I might have said the other night at the groundswell meeting, why is it that New Zealand will let another country claim 100% growing trees in New Zealand. Why aren't we thinking of ourselves? After all, charity begins at home. I don't, don't know if it's going to be safe to let Laurie loose on this one, <laughs> Neville. <laughs> you go for it, Laurie. I'll let him loose. This is what it's all about. Expressing your opinion. <laughs> we want to, to convince our viewers and listeners. Laurie, go for it. Well, I think it's just absolutely crazy exactly what you said. Why would we let uh, people from overseas claim 100% of, uh, you know, in an offset situation? No other country in the world does that. Um, you know, it's uh, effectively, you know, 
just a rubbish law, really. And what we've got is a case where we have farmers who are having to actually uh, compete in an overseas market. And then we've got uh, carbon farming, which can rely on effectively being subsidised. And, um, you know, two different markets operating in the same land area. And so, you know, um, farming, and we need every dollar we can get to fix the economy, I would think, right at the moment. Uh, so pastoral farming will be putting money into that system. If you plant the whole place in trees, you're not getting anything back in, uh, for 35 years anyway. Um, why would you do it? The whole thing just needs kicked out and um, we just need to say, well, that was a stupid thing that we tried and done it. So you haven't yep. heard, Bryce? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you know, there is a place for trees, Neville, and uh, um, and that's normally where stock are not able to actually be easily managed or uh, perhaps too steep, uh, maybe something that's eroding, something like that. So there is a place for trees, but the blanket uh, plant farms and farmland is just another death nail in rural New Zealand. And we would expect that you would have some town people watching this. And what they've got to realise is if you take uh, livestock farming out of the uh, equation, you you actually lose your, your stock agents, your shearers, your uh, yeah. musterers, your drench salesmen, your... Uh, um, mercantile firms, they, all those slowly go. So, and when they go, they have a bigger impact that snowballs and then the Finnish community is, is getting decimated as we've seen already with the closure of schools and that sort of thing, Neville. It just, it's like a cancer. It just keeps eating away at the community. Well, when you talk about schools, uh, what's your thoughts on the uh, government filling the schools with synthetic carpets? I just see an article written by a principal or a statement saying that he wanted those woolen tiles, woolen carpet in his school because he was a rural school and they understood all about wool. Don't get me started, Neville. It's another crazy thing uh, that we've let happen. Um, and I do see in the, uh, I think it's in the, um, uh, you know, coalition agreement that they're going to change that. Um, you know, I don't know, all schools and should have uh, woolen insulation and uh, all government buildings and woolen carpet. It makes, uh, just makes sense. There it is. One of the best products in the world, biodegradable, fireproof and all the rest of it. And we put plastic carpet yeah, in. I think um, Ridiculous. I think it was New Zealand First that actually brought that into the agreement, and it's it's all government departments. So that's massive if all government departments are going to uh, refurbish when they refurbish with uh, woolen carpets. I mean that that's that's a lot of. I, I did hear how many buildings it was. I, I, off the top of my head, it might have been eighteen thousand buildings, was it? Well, it would be a big number, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mind you, if they close half them because they haven't, don't want all the people working and them doing no actually anything productive, that might cut back a bit, Bryce. Yeah, we live in hope, Laurie. <laughs> well, that's possibly what it is. Now, some of our problems will stick with the farming one, but I, I just noticed uh, Keith Woodford. Did anyone read his article that came out the other day? I'm not, no, which one are you meaning? You're, you're normally a bit ahead of us getting the Farmers Weekly, Neville. We haven't got this week's one yet. Well, that 
was a do you get his newsletters even no because i'll quote a bit from it he says as i write this post mid-november the value of new zealand unit being one ton of carbon dioxide equivalent is bouncing around at $70 New Zealand. A year ago, it was $80 and it dropped precipitously when the government went, to get advice, went against the advice of the Climate Change Commission for change in auction settings. The government then caused further distress amongst those interested in forestry when it suggested that the forest sequestration price for New Zealand units could be less than the emissions price. At that point, the dollar price declined to the mid-30s. Not only would that put a break on converting farms to forest, would also provide a very nice income to the government as the middle person in the business. And that makes me think this business of climate change is all about politics and money, not about the climate. Well, they've obviously created an artificial market for a start. Uh, just made it up and uh, that's one of the problems you've got an artificial market there and the rest of uh, pastoral farming in New Zealand has to operate in a real market so yeah it's just absolute rubbish yeah look look Neville is, I mean we could talk about this all day I mean the fact that 0.04 percent of uh, um, our atmosphere is causing the problem with climate change um, it's just too stupid to think about, and I think we we our uh, contribution to that is sort of something like 0.0125. So when you work all that out, it adds up to we don't do anything. And uh, but you know, I think it was Miles Hurrell that said at the Fonterra annual meeting that whether you believe in climate change or not, that this is what the market's starting to demand. And I guess that sums it all up. It's created its own market. Um, and you can fight climate change and as much as you like. The market's already, uh, for some reason or another, it's already accepted it, taken it up, and now it's bringing through uh, what it wants in a purchasing type scenario. So it's, you know, it's just so unfortunate. It's got so far down the track that's created its own uh, momentum and its own uh, place in history, which probably down the track will be proved to be just absolutely wrong but however in the meantime everybody's got to go through it that's dead right we don't get a subsidy like the uh, european farmers yes very <laughs> interesting neville you you had kerry wars uh, you interviewed her what a great interview it was as well um and you know for her talking about that very thing new zealand farmers don't get a, a subsidized for anything if you live overseas and you don't do what the government wants, you actually can get your subsidy cut, whereas they can't do that, does because we don't get them. So just cut so, our income. <laughs> exactly. So people in New Zealand may not realise, but we farm for the price that we get. We don't get anything on top of it. Everybody we compete with get government subsidies to do what they do. So uh, we're not on an even footing for a start. We already suffer all the market uh, fluctuations as it's really happening just now with a lot of commodities, all commodities almost. The market has do dropped, and guess who's taking the brunt of it? It's the farmers of New Zealand. Exactly. So when will that message get through to government? But hopefully now there will be a change of attitude towards farming because how many farmers have we got on 
or in government now in oh, what you say ministerial positions about six or seven isn't there yeah, well, I don't know is. that they're all in ministerial positions, but no, no. Uh, certainly in the uh, you know in the coalition caucus, if you like, if you put them all together, and they all got enough, they'd operate like that or not. But but that is a major change, and particularly in National Party too, who really uh, were very thin on the ground, you might say, um, and people with uh, direct. Um, you know, um, exposure to agriculture. That's actually changed. So I think that uh, they should get a lot more common sense um, approach towards the whole farming, methane, um, climate change um, argument. Certainly hope so. I think, we talk about common sense, but the farming, and when you're farming, if you haven't got common sense, you go broke. Uh, I mean, you uh, you can't actually go out and buy a whole lot of stock, presuming that the grass is going to take off uh, in a particular month. So, I mean, if you can do that and get it right, then you're just lucky. But you have to actually farm for what's in front of you all the time. So you're using your common sense and, and doing what's actually you can see. And it's great that probably people in New Zealand, are, after the last government, have seen that they need practical people in there. And there's nobody more practical than a farmer, because if he gets it wrong, he goes bust. And, you know, there's not enough people in the world now that actually have got their careers on the line if they make wrong decisions. But that still applies to farmers. Yeah, I think the other thing on that, that is like, uh, you know, we all talk about farmers, 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 but Groundswell has got a huge amount of support from people in the cities and in Auckland. And so there's a lot of people out there uh, in New Zealand that are not farmers that understand the situation as well. So that's also very heartening. Now, the other aspect has been popped up in uh, Farmers Weekly. Farmers are not doing their best, are they? They are. 18% only take part in local, what would you say, the likes of Frontier, the industry meetings. What have you heard, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, look, the Dairy NZ, who's just had their elections recently, 18% of uh, their shareholders voted. Now, with Dairy NZ, it's probably a little bit easier to explain than the likes of uh, beef and lamb, because with Dairy NZ, there's a lot of um, not hands-on people that actually own the shares in the company. So in other words, they are probably investors or the people that own the farms, but they have contract milkers or shear milkers on the farms and they own the shares in, in uh, Dairy NZ. So it's understandable, I guess, that they have put their shares in the bottom drawer and they just expect somebody else to look after their business. But still 18% is pathetic. But then it's not much better for beef and lamb, yet most beef and lamb people would be hands-on. So there's still a real lot of apathy in the uh, rural sector. Just to finish on, gentlemen, I noticed on Seven Sharp there was a glimpse of uh, a deer fence on a farm down south, down your way. That cocky was fencing, putting a fence up to keep the blooming, blooming deer out. Uh, we could go on about the wallabies costing a heck of a lot of money. I uh, talked to 
deer, deer colour the other day, he said there had been 1,500 deer shot around the uh, Tamaranui area, well, widely anyway, left to rot. What would the cost of that fencing be? Because there'd be townies out there that could possibly be so nice shit, lots of them and fence. Well, but neither Laurie or I being uh, dairy far uh, deer farmers, uh, I would imagine, uh, I think when we just did the local water care group fencing here, I think uh, 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 dairy fencing come in at about $7 a metre. I think uh, sheep fencing come in at something like uh, $15 a metre. And I would imagine deer fencing would be double that. So I would say it's around about $30 a metre. Oh, yes, it's jolly. Especially, Bryce, I, I'm not deer farming, but we've got mobs of 20 and 30 wandering around up the hill, so it's fair to say we've got an interest in deer farming. <laughs> Do you think you ever get to the point, Laurie, where you fence them out? Certainly thought about it, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Laurie, would you be open to any uh, shooters going in there and wiping them out for you? Uh, well, yeah, we do have shooters come in. Um, probably can't get enough shooters. That's the problem. Um, and obviously, we have to be careful. You can't have a whole lot of people running around blazing away. So, um, yeah. Uh, but if it gets worse, I don't know. I mean, there's people now getting helicopters in and shooting them that way. Um, but when you think about the deer industry that we had, you know, that pulled all those deer out of fuel and then that, um, and actually made a, a business, viable business out of it. And yet now that viable business seems to have disappeared. So, I mean, that's what we need, something that could uh, get that going so there's actually a value shooting them and just letting them rot. It's not really what we'd like to do, is it? There's, there's obviously too much uh, food in the world yet. Uh, and uh, I guess when more affluent people start having a food shortage, we'll find that all these uh, deer will probably uh, end up going to market again. But it's just crazy what's happening in the meantime. Could you just but I read like... somewhere the other day that in Australia they've changed the law so they can now shoot pigs over there in helicopters at night because there's so much damage from pigs. I think it was Australia or yeah. the US somewhere. Same thing's happening here, Neville. Uh, you know, uh, places not too far from here where there's um, it's been taken over areas for carbon farming and uh, the good farmland around it's getting absolutely decimated by pigs. So it's happening here in New Zealand as well. Oh, I just don't know what a thermal-sided rifle would be like using it from a helicopter because, you, you know, you're straight into the ground from there. But... Uh, Gentlemen, I think we're just about running out of time. I'd like to say you, well, thanks, Bryce McKenzie and Laurie Patterson, for your time today. Keep up the good work. Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. You've both earned it. So has everybody else. Good one. Well, well thank you, Neville. And thank you for what you do as well. You uh, take a farming message to as many people as you can. And uh, it's very much appreciated that you do that. So thank you. And Merry Christmas to you as well. Oh, thank you, Bryce. Right, it says I'm running out of time. I've got to upgrade now. I can't afford it at the moment. So we better end the show. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, Neville. See you, Bryce.
See you, Laurie. I have been riding the boundaries with you for the last 14 years. However, the time has come to retire from boundary riding and look to other horizons. I wish you all a happy future and long may you lumrik. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.